Our scripture reading is found in Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Beginning at verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I have raised you up, that I might show my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy? which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed he says in Hosea, those who are not my people, I will call my people, and her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Now, if you would turn in your scriptures to Jeremiah chapter 18. The Lord told Jeremiah that his word would be like fire in his mouth. And he would make his people like wood for the fire to consume them. And Jeremiah wept with bitter tears because the people of his nation, Judah, would not repent. They would not return to the Lord. What do you do with a broken pot? A broken pot, you throw it away. There's not any other use for it, just to throw it away. You know, clay pots are one of the earliest inventions of mankind. Noah would have filled the ark with 
every, every nook and cranny of the ark with clay pots of food and provision. When Israel left Egypt in the Exodus, they longed for the meat of Egypt in the pots. They longed for that. Outside of Rome, there is a great hill. It's called Monte Testaccio, Broken Pot Mountain. And in the Roman days, when a pot was broken, they would take it to this hill and they would pile it there. And it's estimated that there are 80 million broken pots in this mountain, broken pot mountain. Most of them at some time held olive oil, 80 million pots. Now Jeremiah is told to get up by the Lord in chapter 18 to go to pottery class. He's to go to the pottery house. Look at verse one. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house. And there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. And he reworked it into another vessel. As it seemed good to the potter to do. Clay pots and Cups are made by hand today with a motor turning the wheel, but typically it was usually the foot that would be spinning the wheel throughout most of his history. Jeremiah here at the potter's house is observing and he's expecting to hear the word of the Lord. And he notices the potter's working the clay expertly and he finds this defect in the clay. The defect in the clay that is mentioned, that it was spoiled, means in the Hebrew that it causes trouble. It's not that the potter spoiled the vessel, it's that the vessel had a defect in it already and it was causing trouble. That's an important distinction in the symbol that we will be presented with. And what we are supposed to notice in this drama is the power the potter has over the clay. It was on his wheel, it's under the care of his hand, and he decides what to do with it. He decides what to make of it, what seemed good for the potter to do in verse 4. And so God's message becomes clear, verse 5. When the word of the Lord came to me, so now the word comes, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. He's saying, you're, you're like this clay. And I'm like this potter. And what we are being told is that God will mold and sovereignly use his power to accomplish what he wants done. He will never be defeated. He'll, 
He'll always do what seems good to him for the potter to do. In Canada, we live amongst a people who rejects the creative hand of God, that we are made by God, that we are fashioned by him. In our Canada today, um, we don't like that thought at all. We, we like to think that uh, we make God, as it were. We fashion him. We turn nature to our own will, in our own way, in our own power. Isaiah will say this, Woe to him who strives with him who formed him, a pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making? Or your work has no handles? I mean, what, a front of me, what, what arrogance to say to the potter? What are you doing? It says in Isaiah 45, I made the earth, that's God. I created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens. I commanded all their hosts. And God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. No, as he served by human hands as though he needed anything. He himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. It's us who need everything from him. We are so weak and he is strong. And I mean, we can't even number the hairs on our own head. Solomon would say, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. I mean, just every word he can think of to declare the, the wonders of who God is. For all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours, he says. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. And you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand it is to to make great and to give strength to all. It, it, it's a recognition of his glory and his sovereignty in our lives. We are reminded of our own weakness constantly if we're paying attention. I am reminded of my weakness when I weigh myself. <laughs> I've been doing that for a week and because it seems like somebody keeps adding clay to, to this pot. I don't know. Um, we have this really fancy digital scale, and it's very accurate. And all during the week, I'd step on it, and it said low. And so I thought, oh, I'm doing pretty good. Low. And Charlene, at the end of the week, told me that means the battery's low. And oh, okay. One day you're all high and mighty, and the next day you fall flat on your face. As the song goes, we're weak. Our power is so minimal, our need 
is so great. And God is sovereign whether Canada likes it or not. And a day of reckoning is approaching Canada. But repentance can bring God to rework the clay into a suitable vessel of honor. Look at what he says in verse 7. If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it, and if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. And if at any time I declare concerning a nation or, or a kingdom that I will build it and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do to it. Mm. What he's saying is repentance can bring God to rework the clay that has caused trouble, that has a defect, has caused trouble to the potter, that he will rework it into something still useful, still wonderful, as he takes us and molds us and makes us. I mean, he reworked Saul of Tarsus into Paul and Simon into Peter and Zacchaeus into an honest man, didn't he? And every person and every nation can re that, that repents of their sin will be reworked by God, who's merciful, into a useful vessel of honor. But he tells us a lack of repentance will cause God to remove his favor. And so verse 11, he says, Now therefore, say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. I'm, I'm, th th this word, shaping, is the same word from which you get the word potter. It's a play on words here. I am the potter and I'm shaping and bringing disaster against you because of your behavior. You see, all nations are treated with grace when they respond to God. God is merciful. He's sovereign. He's not arbitrary. He's not unjust. He's not mean. He's not thoughtless. He's a God of grace. And whenever a people turn to him, He's able to rework the clay and, and design something useful. And so he said to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. It depends on God. Think of Nineveh as a great example of that, how Jonah was upset that Nineveh repented of their sins and God relented. After he'd gone there and preaching, judgment and and they actually repented and God sh showed his favor on Nineveh 
or even Hezekiah or King Josiah as they led national revivals, God delayed the judgment that he was bringing upon his people. God will act. He will exile. He will bring judgment. But there is opportunity to repent and to return. And so he says that in verse 12, doesn't he? He says in verse 12, return everyone from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. Verse 11. Return everywhere. Amend your ways and your deeds. But even with such clear speaking and clear call, clear warning from the Lord, they refuse. And so verse 12 says, but they say, that is in vain. We will follow our own plans and will everyone act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. We don't care what God says. We're going to care about what we want. So they reject God. They reject his call to return. And verse 13 and following just shows how how shocking this behavior is. Even amongst the nations, the pagan nations, thus says the Lord, ask among the nations, who has heard the like of this? I mean, who? the virgin Israel has done a very horrible thing. This is the, nobody does this, but you're doing it. You're, you're rejecting the call of your God. He says in verse 15, my people have forgotten me. They make offerings to false gods. We looked at this already. In prior weeks, how they, they've worshipped Baal, the bull god, the master god, Ashtaroth, the queen of heaven, the, the goddess of sensuality and perversion, and Moloch, who's the, the one who receives the sacrifices of their own children. He says, you make offerings to false gods. They made them stumble in their ways in the ancient roads and to walk into side roads, not the highway. You're off track is what he's saying. You're off track onto side roads. And your land is a whore, a thing to be hissed at. And I will scatter them before the enemy. I will show them my back, not my face. His face is his favor. I'm going to show them my back in the day of their calamity. The judgment here is inevitable. They are hardened. The clay has hardened. I was thinking about this in our own nation, when I heard the news there a week ago about the steer that had escaped in Petrolia from the butcher, and he was running the streets of Petrolia, and after an hour they lassoed him, and the butcher said to the reporter, 
He's in the freezer now. (laughs) There's something inevitable about that, isn't there? He's in the freezer now. God's judgment coming on the world and our nation is inevitable unless there is a returning to him. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man, that's Christ, whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And because of your hard and impenitent hearts, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Unless there is repentance or a returning. And so we pray this for our country, so we say this to our countrymen, so we preach it, and so we speak to others about it. But scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Hardened. Jeremiah's pottery lesson isn't finished. Look at chapter 19. Thus says the Lord, verse 1, go buy a potter's earthenware flask and take some of the elders of the people and some of the elders of the priests and go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom at the entry of the potsherd gate and proclaim there the words that I will tell you. So get a piece of finished pottery, a finished pot, There's nothing like clay for reworking, but there's nothing like hardened clay for being unalterable. He says, take the flask to the rubbish heap, which was in this valley of the son of Hinnom. This is the valley of Gehenna. This is the symbolic place of hell. This is where they made the child sacrifices and parents would offer a child to Moloch there for their own safety at the expense of their child and go to this abominable place, this, this rubbish heap. And here I have a word for you to proclaim. And so he does, and so he goes. Verse three, you shall say, hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I am bringing such disaster upon this place that the ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle because the people have forsaken me, have profaned this place by making offerings in it to other gods whom neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah have known. And they have filled this place with the blood of innocence and have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or decree and did it not come into my mind. Days are coming, declares the Lord, when this place shall no more be called Topheth or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. And he pronounces horrible doom on them. 
what he's saying is the judgment of God is inevitable because of the hardness of their hearts. And he will be told to take the flask in verse 10, you see, break the flask in the sight of men and say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, so will I break this people in this city as one breaks apart his vessel so that it can never be mended. There's no fixing a broken clay pot. There's no reworking it. It is fit only for the, the garbage. You know, Jeremiah, because he preached this message that the Lord told him to preach and gave to him, and using this pottery and the clay and the hardened pot as metaphors or symbols um, was powerful to the people. And he suffered for it. Uh, he suffered for it. Verse eight in, in chapter 18 tells us some of his suffering. In chapter 20 tells us that he received a beating. He was beat up by the authorities because of his pottery preaching. So will we this morning learn the lesson of pottery class? Will we learn the lesson God has for us? Pottery class teaches us not really about pottery. It teaches us about God and who he is. That God is sovereign and creator and he fashions as he likes. And though there's much trouble in us, there's much trouble with us. He's willing to take the one or the nation who returns to him and to refashion them and to make a useful vessel out of them. And so if you haven't yet, will you not return to him? Will you not repent and believe in the one who washes away your sins? The one who rose from the dead. Will you not bow before his sovereignty and admit your weakness to save yourself and accept your master's hand to make you into what he would make you, a child of God? He's merciful. He's patient. Some of you here are wrestling with sin in your life. Take it to him. Return to him. Some of you are far off from him because of things, secret things, some dark things, some struggles that you're having. And Return to him. He will receive you. He will forgive you. And he will rework you as the wet clay. But there is a caution here because there is a point when God says enough. When God says enough. Where the clay has hardened. It's like, like leaving Play-Doh out. It has to be discarded. 
because it's no longer workable. Don't let that be you. To be thrown out on Broken Pot Mountain with countless other people, don't let that be you. Return and repent and believe and walk with him. Share with him your struggles and ask of him for strength and courage and purity, holiness. And then pray for our country. I mean, pray for our country. Speak to your fellow countrymen. Tell them, warn them. Though they they won't receive it, tell them that God has in Christ, uh, worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. There's salvation in no other name but the name of Jesus. Judgment is coming. And our nation is in great, grave peril. Start with you. Return and, and then pray. Pray for our country. Let's pray now. The Heavenly Father, our Canada, we have been in our sins a long time. Shall we be saved? We've all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There's no one who calls upon your name, who rouses himself to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of your iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father, and we are the clay, and you are our potter, and we are the work of your hand. Thank you for forgiving us who have returned. Thank you for working on us and in us and changing us and conforming us to the image of your son. And we, there's much trouble in us. And oh, Father, thank you that you don't give up on us. And for our nation, Lord, that it's given itself over to evil and to Baal and Ashtaroth and Moloch. And our people in high places who give no thought for you and how even the name of Christ now is seen by the majority of our population as a a negative thing, a 
a thing worthy of censure. Oh, Lord, that our nation might experience revival and a returning. We pray that you would work in the people of our land and give us a voice amongst them at work, at home, and all the places you take us, that we would be fervent and faithful with the news of Jesus Christ. And Lord, is it too late for our country? Are we so hardened that nothing can be done? We pray that not be the case. And so, Father, you are sovereign. Your Son and your Holy Spirit, you are the creator, the sustainer, the giver of good things to us. And we pray, thanking you in worship and in your word now this morning, in Jesus' name, amen.